Welcome to Well Good Movies, the podcast which asks which movies are well worth watching and remembering for all time. Every episode, we discuss a different piece of film history to decide if it should make its way into our movie vault. Filled with questions, trivia, and crazy challenges, it's the perfect way to deep dive into a myriad of movies. But don't just take my word for it. Here's a glimpse of what to expect in today's episode. No, he genuinely said oh this. Oh my god. <laughs> is, is Sylvester Stallone real? <laughs> what? Poetry by Stallone. <laughs> right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Are you not entertained? I'll be back. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. Well, good movies. Hello and welcome to Well Good Movies, the podcast that asks which movies are well worth watching and deserve to be remembered for all time. I'm your host, David Osger, and I'm joined by someone still doing time for the crimes he committed last time, because he broke the law. It's Craig McDonald. <laughs> Hello, Craig. All right, I'll bite. What the hell did I do last time? I just said you were a criminal because we were talking about Russia. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh... We, it's a mystery crime at this stage. That's the story of this year's uh, podcast. <laughs> you are making this so hard for me to advertise as a podcast, because the more and more in which you go, like down this line of i'm a criminal the less likely i am to want to share it out it's going to get to like episode five of this year and it's like he killed a man craig like sues me for like libel or defamation or i mean something. there's enough <laughs> evidence right like wait, remind me which sort of like awful mr man character did you compare me to before oh mr snooty yeah mr. <laughs> like what the hell we'll just leave that there there's no context as to why there was comparisons to mr men <laughs> yeah go, fine, go find whatever. out <laughs> Right, so over to those who are joining us this week, anyway, to discuss this week's film. So first up, uh, the film we are discussing this week uh, is all about, like, uh, 80s, 90s action. So we had to call our good friend, actor Christopher Maxwell. Hello, Chris. Hello. Hello, boys. How are you doing? Doing good. How are you? I'm not too bad. I was uh, really excited uh, when I got to watch this one again. It's been a long time since I watched this one. So it was nice to go back and, and see it through a much older older lens because I believe the last time I saw this, I was definitely still in high school. So um, oh, okay. it was, you say, it was a lot of years, a lot of change. And I think, as we'll probably discuss as it goes along, that might, might uh, affect one's perspective on this movie. Uh, it might not, but um, no, I'm looking forward to talking about it. Good tease there. And usually when we have previous guests on, we like to talk about like when they were last on or previous episodes. And I think Chris, actually, you, like m maybe for me, because this is sometimes some of the most fun we have because we're talking about these ludicrous films. But I think you've got a pretty good like backtrack of like films in terms of like the ones you joined us for. Uh, this isn't including everything you've joined us for, but we've talked about like classic horror, like Creature of the Black Lagoon, Invisible Man, Volcano, Van Helsing and Akira. Like that's a pretty good, you know, build up to this film, I think, in some ways. Oh, yeah, that seems that would be a hell of a day at the cinema. Exactly. But uh, on to our next guest. Uh, this is their first time appearing on the podcast. So it is video editor and reviewer Sarah Williams, a.k.a. Popcorn Chat. Hello, Sarah. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me on, guys. This is so cool. 
No problem. Yeah, we're happy to have you uh, join us. Yeah, so Sarah, for the people at home, please do tell us, you know, what is it you do? What do you sort of specialize in? And do you have uh, any sort of like go-to movies that you sort of list as like your favorite films? You know, how, how do you sort of navigate things like the cinema, watching films at home? Do you have any favorites? Yeah, so I guess a little bit of context. Um, by day, I'm a camera operator and editor. So I've always have, had that sort of film sort of production background. Um, and then in my spare time, I watch films, I review them on my YouTube channel, and then I sort of promote them on Instagram, Twitter. So I'm very sort of active on like the social media, but YouTube's like my main sort of platform. Um, so I guess in and around the job, I try and squeeze in a few cinema trips in the week, uh, obviously using a lot of the on-demand services recently. Um, but yeah, I just, I try and absorb myself in film and TV as much as I can and do reviews fairly regularly, uh, sometimes on new releases, sometimes throwing it back to some franchises that I love or doing like lists and tiers um, of topics or directors that people love. Um, so I w- I'm always trying to mix it up in terms of the content that I make um, and even do vlogs sometimes as well. I've been to a few comic cons, so I try and keep it fresh, I guess. Um, Favourite genres? Uh, I do find myself falling a lot into sort of horror so I think me and Chris would get on quite well in terms of the horror uh, genre and I obviously always like a little indie film be it like an indie rom-com or something like that that's you know a little bit offbeat and sometimes like shows a bit more of a true depiction of emotions and relationships and things like that so yeah but I watch a ton like a real range of genres but those are my favorites. Cool. So yeah, well, we can't wait to discuss today's uh, film with you. So uh, now we have like a sort of group question. So this is open to everyone. And considering the film that we're talking about today, I just wanted uh, to ask people if they were to wake up in any era like of time, when would it be? So obviously maybe thinking about like how this could make a good film or something like that or something pulled from inspiration of film. Any that jump out to uh, to anyone, Chris? I think when, when looking at that question, I was sort of thinking like... Um... It, it, would this be, do I stay in this era permanently? Um, is this a case of where I, where I, once I'm plonked in this era, I've got a bunch of years to look forward to? Because if that were the case, I'd probably say right at the start of the 1970s so I could then experience that cinema as it was happening. Let's say I've got a good two decades, uh, maybe three decades. You know, I could relive the 90s again, but this time as an old cantankerous man. You know, that'd be quite fun. But yeah, I, I think the I, I always love the idea of like what time you'd go to, what would you want to experience and how like I would be perceived because I'm assuming big, uh, long haired ginger man with a big beard. You put me in the 1950s, I'd be a very, uh, I'd be quite a sight for sore eyes. <laughs> Yeah, it's like whenever you see those pictures of uh, like the now showing boards, isn't it, with like the lights and it's something like Pulp Fiction or, you know, The Shining or something. You're like, oh, God, imagine seeing that, like when it opened, especially in like those kind of like American style theatres, etc. That does sort of make you, you know, want to experience that with with the audience. Yeah, I think that's the thing. With that's one of the only things I ever talk about with it, with time travel is like, I'd love to go back and just watch this film when it came out. Because that, as much as like you thinking about the butterfly effect, am I going to affect so much if I just go to a cinema? Maybe I won't destroy <laughs> the world. <laughs> Sarah, what, was there any ones that uh, popped into your brain when you saw this? See, I think I've gone a little bit rogue on this. Um, I'm like, I'm secretly a bit of a fan of a period drama, 
or like okay. those sorts of films and literature and stuff. So I sort of thought was thinking more like the Georgian era. But again, like Chris, I'm going to have to like quickly like get in with the rich people. You know, I don't want to be <laughs> at the bottom of the hierarchy. I want to be at the parties dressed up and stuff. But again, I thought it would be temporary. If I was living there the whole time, I don't think I could do it. But I just think it'd be interesting in terms of the costumes and the parties and the socialites of the Georgian era. I think it'd be quite nice. That's quite funny with like time travel in a way, isn't it? It's just like, as long as I could be there for a few weeks, I don't mind. It's like, would people yeah. say that with traveling? You know, like, I'd love to go to Australia, but not for the entire year. <laughs> you know, it's just like, <laughs> like, is there a time period in which people would be like, yeah, I'd be happy to stay there the entire time. But no, I did kind of expect period pieces to to show up in in that way i guess with this week's film it's hard not to think of like the future and what it could be you know obviously we've only got the reference of what has happened we can't predict the future but i guess even if it was somewhat like this film you'd be like it'd be interesting to see and kind of navigate that there's definitely elements within this i was like this is a bit scary like we're seeing some of this stuff now mm. like with some of the cars i was like oh gosh that's a bit too close to home yeah. it was the cars was the one the big one for me actually i was like okay i think they've nailed this yeah. of all the futurist of all the future scapes i've seen of movies this might be the most accurate portrayal of cars because every other one's got them flying <laughs> that's true but this one's got them just driving but this time it's like we're still driving but now we're self-driving <laughs> They got like a video screen in there, like a call being like, this is so futuristic. Like you're talking to somebody on a video call. We're driving. What the hell? You're like, yeah, that's just standard now. <laughs> mm, yeah. It's funny seeing their prediction of the future. You're like, oh, it's not too, di- not too dissimilar now, but the time I'm sure that was probably quite amazing. I just thought it pessimistic that their prediction for like three years ahead of their time was just oh yeah, we have cryo-freezing technology and neuro-changing behaviour technology. Yeah, that's it. I'm looking forward to talking about that, realising like the immediate future that you see before, he, before that future is like, wow, what happened in three years? Oh my word. <laughs> it's a bit like the whole, soon we will have that moment of like back to the future where it's like you bypass what was meant to be the future like in real life which would be scary so yeah we can definitely compare like how thing how, how accurate they got it at that moment but uh yeah we can't wait to chat all about today's movie later on and uh yeah we can't wait to hear from all of our listeners too what they might think so please remember to leave us a review interact with us wherever you're listening as well as on social media like instagram and twitter where you can find us at well good movies it all really helps the podcast grow and means we can see what you guys want to hear and what you enjoy the most so on with the show let's kick off things with today's now showing so we've definitely alluded to uh, this film uh, already so craig for those who didn't catch our last episode Uh, Or for those who just need a reminder, what is it that we are discussing and what led us here today? So in our last episode, after looking at Rush Hour, we decided to take a look at various police duos in various films in our game Buddy Buddy Good Time. In the end, it it was close, but Aaron was our victor. And Aaron chose from the various choices the 1993 sci fi film Demolition Man. Welcome to the emergency line of the San Angeles Police Department. In the 21st century, violence is a thing of the past. But I wouldn't do for some action. Buckle up. But the future... I'm going to love running this place. ...isn't what it used to be. It's a brand new world. Sorry, you gotta go. Sylvester Stallone, Wesley Snipes, Demolition Man. Look for it on video cassette. Yep. 
Demolition Man. <laughs> so we'll be talking all about that film and asking the question whether it deserves the honor of a place in our movie vault, our vault that encapsulates memorable movies for all time. So for those who don't know a bit of information about the film, Demolition Man was released in 1993, like we've said. It stars Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes. It's directed by Marco Brambilla, written by Peter M. Lenkoy, who's credited with story, then Robert... Uh, Renau, who's also credited with story, and Daniel Waters, who's credited with just the screenplay. The soundtrack is by Elliot Goldenthal. The cinematography is by Alex Thompson, and it's edited by Stuart Bard. The plot summary is, Frozen in 1996, Simon Phoenix, a convicted crime lord, is revived for a parole hearing well into the 21st century. Revived into a society free from crime, Phoenix resumes his murderous rampage, and no one can stop him. John Spartan, the police officer who captured Phoenix in 1996, has also been cryogenically frozen, this time for a crime he did not commit. In 2032, the former cities of Los Angeles, San Diego and Santa Barbara have merged into peaceful utopian San Angeles. Unable to stop him with their non-violent solutions, the police release Spartan to help recapture Phoenix. Now, after 36 years, Spartan has to adopt himself to the future society he has no knowledge about. So the film also stars Sandra Bullock, Nigel Hawthorne, Benjamin Bratt, Bob Gunton, Glenn Shadix, Dennis Leary and Grand L. Bush. Can I just quickly challenge that that's a plot synopsis wherever you read it from? He did commit that crime. He did recklessly <laughs> kill like 20 to 30 hostages. Where the hell does this crime he did not commit bullshit come from? The guy was a renegade. He did do it, right? Let's not... Let's not have any reservations about that. It's not like some innocent guy who's been thrust into this. He was a renegade. He did kill those people. Um, actually, I, I, I was going to say um, Phoenix does say that they were already dead at one point. Oh, does he? It's very, it's, but it, you could miss it because honestly, it's during the it's during a scene later, later on in the film and he just says, oh yeah, they were already dead. And it's like, Oh, so he's exonerated Yeah, because I do remember there was that whole thing of like, where are the hostages, where are the hostages? But yeah, interesting how we're already picking apart the plot, which is quite funny. Um, but yeah, that, that that is the way that it was described on IMDb. <laughs> but that'll be the big question of the week. Was, was Spartan in the right? <laughs> Let us know on social media. So uh, yeah, quite a mix of um, sort of British and American stars in this. You've got like an early role for Sandra Bullock. Uh, you know, the classic kind of like English villain, similar to what we've had uh, previously with Rush Hour and uh, with people like Nigel Hawthorne. So and then Dennis Leary, who I guess was like in his prime at this kind of moment. So, yeah, this is definitely encapsulating that kind of era of Stallone, Schwarzenegger, who's even like name dropped in this movie. Um, even Jackie Chan, again, who was in our previous film, Rush Hour. So it's very much of that era of like the 80s and 90s Sylvester Stallone films. If you look at all of the like related films and the films that are coming out at that time, it really does make you realize how much of a thing this was at that time because you look now and it's all, you know, possibly fantasy, mainly superhero stuff, which take over the kind of popular space. But back then it was very much like science fiction and action heroes and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, just looking at like related films, you've got Total Re Recall, uh, Judge Dredd, Tango and Cash, The Running Man, True Lies, Robocop, Commando, The Last Action Hero. It's just so many of like the same type of film. And they're like, right, now this is the plot with this one. This is starring, uh, this is who's starring in this one. 
and similar to what we were talking about last time again with Jackie Chan of having that like movie star with Stallone. So the first thing that stood out in my mind, and again, you know, Chris, one of the reasons we asked you to join us for this one is why do you think that this was such a big thing at this time? You know, I guess the biggest one was probably Terminator. I don't know if everyone was kind of trying to replicate Terminator, but but to you, why do you think that the 80s and 90s was such a big time for these big action men and these big explosive movies? Um, I think it had something to do with, because um, particularly with like the, you mentioned it with those, those films, I think the key component of these films was the action hero. It was the big Bill star. The difference between films of that era versus the films of today is that you could argue it's the brand that sells. Obviously you get big names attached to it, but very rarely is a film sold around your Schwarzenegger. Like you'll see probably a poster for Demolition Man, Stallone will be right there, top billing. And I think it was just the larger-than-life characters, you know, these larger-than-life people in these larger-than-life scenarios. And one of the the best parts about it is that when you put these characters in these scenarios, they tend to be like... they tend to fit so perfectly and yet also they're an outlier like John Spartan. He's like a renegade cop. But when you look at the state of Los Angeles in, in this world's 1996, you're thinking, well, he's actually a, probably pretty efficient for what you guys are dealing with, you know, um, considering like the opening sequences, he's got his bare on and he's dropping down. Like it's all, I think just everyone was just trying to capture um, everyone was trying to capture Arnie mania, really. You know, Arnie and Stallone were the two big heavy hitters of that time. And, you know, Terminator, Conan, um, Commando, I think everyone just wanted to repeat that success. Um, it's the same in horror, really. Everyone wants to repeat the success of that one iconic horror character. Because once you get a character, you've made, you've, you're onto something really big and you can milk that for as long as possible. Yeah, and it's interesting how it kind of evolved with those actors continue to show up, but they're, you know, playing the characters that they originally did, especially with Schwarzenegger, you know, returning in Terminator, etc. Or in the case of Stallone, I guess he kind of balances a bit more between drama with having things like Rocky, but also the fact that he kind of encapsulated this entire vibe of action heroes from the 80s and 90s by making the expendables films so literally being like yeah i'm just going to get all these guys together and we're just going to make this like mega blockbuster film but again like you said it was kind of more of a franchise mentality at that stage rather than being like two people you know these are the big you know the face off against each other i don't know if that would happen as much now unless it was a comic situation um and i think when you look at like movie stars you get Dwayne The Rock Johnson, possibly, but again, he appears in such a variety of different films. And while, yes, I do tend to categorize them as like The Rock films, because they they are quite similar in some ways. Um, Another one that sort of sprung to my mind was Ryan Reynolds. That, you know, he has very much become like, oh, Ryan Reynolds' shtick. You know, that is like he makes a very like repetitive film after Deadpool mainly. Sarah, would, would you agree in terms like, do you think obviously now maybe the action hero explosive film isn't as big a thing and maybe the movie stars are so different maybe not so much gone yeah no definitely i think it's i don't know if when it sort of changed necessarily maybe in the 2000s but yeah that um having that actor or character actor 
um not sort of be in the limelight anymore like you say it's definitely much more of a brand be it marvel star wars or whatever it is people cling to that it's the merchandise it's that like i'm sure there's some arnie action figures somewhere <laughs> but you know what i mean people are people connect into that universe that world that franchise um I, I i don't know is it become more of a business is it more of that angle i don't i really don't know it's a shame if it is um but yeah i agree dwayne johnson was the first one that came to mind in terms of like a modern um I don't want to say action hero, <laughs> sort of, sort of a named um, actor that would maybe bring you into a film. But like I say, like you say, he plays a lot of the same characters all the time. Um, but yeah, th- to be honest, those sorts of films that Dwayne Johnson's in, Ryan Reynolds in, I kind of avoid. They're not my cup of tea normally. Um, whether they're catered to me or more sort of families, um, they're not really my sorts of films. But I quite like going back and watching these sort of 80s, 90s films because they're fun and they know they're fun. Um, yeah, it's just interesting to see how it's evolved over the last, yeah, like 20 years. I was going to say, I think a bigger part of it as well was just Americana. Like, um, I, you, one of the things like you mentioned, like John Wick then, but I think a big reason... John Wick has done so well is because you can tell it's got a lot of its uh, inspiration from Eastern cinema and uh, like Eastern style action movies, which they have a big emphasis on ensemble. Um, and I think that's a big thing as well with cinema now is like, yes, you can have big name actors, but a lot of the time it's, it's the ensemble that you want to see. You want to see lots of big names. Whereas I think the idea of the one big name and the one big character, it elevates him, but then it will, by putting him in that film, it would elevate the whole film. I think maybe it's, it's just more of like, I wouldn't say it's selfish, but I think during the 80s and early 90s, America liked having the real life Superman. You know, if you look at pro wrestling, they had Hulk Hogan and it was always these big macho guys and now there's there's lots of different styles, lots of different people, and also like just that expanded universe. People really like the idea of a big broad universe with multiple faces and multiple personalities. So it's hard to get a one and done action movie these days. That's a good point as well, actually. Is you know without diving too deep into that, is the fact that America was almost saying this is our type of film, you know, like they could market that to the world and say this is an American film. People would watch this and be like, oh, yes, you know, American, like, you know, big brash explosions like these specific actors always appear in them. Whereas, again, like Japanese cinema, Chinese cinema, you know, they all had their kind of like niches. Whereas, again, I suppose since it's been kind of, you know, the world has become smaller, you know, because of the Internet and stuff like that. And they've tried to appeal to a wider audience there's the whole like you know we want to appeal to china because they have such a big effect on the box office and you know we want to bring in this like crowd and this crowd and like you know we want to have more uh, females watching these films because obviously these films are quite like male dominated so again some of that is to vary in success and sometimes it's good sometimes it's bad but i guess these films as you said sarah are just very of their time and since they've kind of like branched out so much that it's harder to say like oh you know that's an american movie like hollywood has almost just become global instead of actually being hollywood so chris what was your reaction when this film was mentioned to you and what do you think of like you said you hadn't watched it in quite a long time um but what what are your sort of memories of it mainly so the first time i actually saw this movie was was when it was on tv um and i was i must have been in early years of high school 
And yeah, it was really fun because it was Stallone and uh, Wesley Snipes. And I'd already seen a lot of Stallone movies at this point, And I'd seen Wesley Snipes in Blade at this point. So I knew that these were two like really good action stars. I thought it was hilarious. Um, and I, I also, I loved, and I think a lot of the commentary must have gone over my head. But for, for me, I remember as a teenager being like, oh, imagine being in a world where you can't swear or you can't like eat chocolate and do all that. God, that sounds, and then, but watching it now, it's funny. Like I, a lot of it, I was like, okay, that's pretty, I, I can sort of get that. I can see what they were trying to go for. Um, one of the biggest takeaways I came, I, I wrote down on my notes. I was like, uh, it's like she's when she's driving to work, Sandra Bullock's character Huxley, and, and she's like, oh God, it's so boring. And I was like, why are you moaning? It looks so gorgeous. <laughs> the, the city looks amazing. Everything looks so peaceful. And obviously, like a lack of swear, getting fined for swearing is, is you know, it, it's funny because I think I, I initially thought rewatching this film, ooh, are they sort of conflating PC culture with fascism? Because I know there's a lot of, it's one of the, the big themes that I think it's, this film gets brought up a lot. You see it always brought up as a film that you wouldn't have believed it at the time, you know, early 90s film predicting the future. But I think um, I was sort of worried coming out of it being like, oh, is, is this, are, are people thinking that this is a film that's like an attack on on, on PC culture? But it's like, no, it's not. It, it's, as the film progressed, I actually realized, okay, this is actually quite clever. Um, in certain places, some of it is a bit silly, and and I think one of the film's strengths is that it commits to the silliness. This is definitely a film that commits to being this wild, over the top um, action movie, and also definitely the inspiration for Austin Powers. That was that that opening scene where he's being frozen. I was like, that's where they got it from, because it's almost identical. <laughs> it's really funny, actually. I was pleasantly surprised with my second viewing of this with through older, older eyes and through the different optics of time. Yeah, I, re I really enjoyed it. I was weirdly reminded you saying about Austin Powers, um, Bob Gunton's character, the you know chief of police, um, when he weirdly reminded me of Robert De Niro. Is it in? Uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle, <laughs> you know, he's playing like, is it like Supreme Leader or something like that? Is like the villain in it. It's something about that look with the glasses and like the bald head. Maybe I suppose people could say like Dr. No or something like that. But he just really, I expected him to like do that like bit that's become famous from Rocky and Bullwinkle where he's just like, are you talking to me? <laughs> Which is referencing, you know, the, the taxi driver moment. <laughs> he did look very intense with his egg head. <laughs> Sarah, what was your first thoughts when we, uh, when I said this was the film we were watching? Because like you said, you don't have as much of a history with this, uh, or maybe at all, because you had never seen it before. When you first mentioned it, I had no idea what to expect. Didn't know who was in it, never heard of it in my life. And then I watched the trailer and this really 90s cheesy trailer. I was like, okay, I'm in for a treat. It's two big stars. Um, and then, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. I went in with a really open mindset, I think. And that helps. Like you could really go off and be like, "Oh, I really could analyze the cinematography." Blah, 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 blah. But if you just enjoy it for what it is, like I think I watched it in a good mood. I really enjoyed it. Like I know Chris mentioned earlier about like the dialogue and stuff. It's so bad, it's good. <laughs> so yeah, I I was pleasantly surprised. Um, There's a few things I had to look up afterwards and sort of like, "Oh, actually, like you say, it's a lot more 
clever than it, I guess it initially seems. But um, yeah, it's definitely got a lot to say, maybe sort of at the time in terms of like political commentary and things like that. But yeah, I, I actually had a good time with it. <laughs> I feel like I'm just gearing myself up to be like the absolute buzzkill in this episode. <laughs> just a heads up for everyone. I think I expected that. I was like, we're going down a Van Helsing route again, you know, <laughs> this this movie, which I expected from Craig. I knew that would happen. <laughs> As an aside, why did you think that I wouldn't like this film? Just because, again, it encapsulates so much of what we discussed before, like Mortal Kombat, Van Helsing. Um, it just really seemed like a kind of like what Chris and Sarah were talking about there. Like, it's so goofy and silly and you either can go like one way or another with it. And it just didn't seem like your vibe of silly it seemed like the more like irritating silly view. Okay. You've partly hit it. I don't think you've hit anywhere near my issue with this film. Okay. I think that not that I'm saying this like would have changed your like view of the film, but I think Sarah's saying about the trailer there, it did help me, for instance. Like so like when I watched it, I, I already knew, okay, like nineties action vibes is gonna be like science fiction, but I was expecting again maybe more of a kind of realistic approach um or just more of a you know terminator kind of like soft sci-fi maybe um but the fact that the trailer was as you said sarah so like you know like in a world and you know like the fact that it's just like you know still alone like one man will do this you know and i was just like okay and the fact that even in the trailer they're like gearing up some of these jokes and like that one character i think in the trailer says like you know like we can't fight this guy we're the police and it's just like you were like okay right you know it's it already was hitting on that like definite mood that's going for and it's such a strange mix of emotions so that's why i was interested if craig had seen it because going in blind into that i was just like that that would be quite a like shock to the system kind of thing but again i don't know if watching the trailer would help that or not no but for me i think i i agree with you uh, you know with chris and sarah i think i had a really fun time with this it was so silly and goofy and i think everyone was on board with that i think again in the past we have talked about things like mortal Kombat and van helsing which have varying degrees of like maybe certain actors are on board with it and camping it up while others are kind of trying to do something serious it's not pulling it off i think everyone knew the film that they were making in this instance but they wanted to do it well and they kind of wanted to i don't know they just kind of like really they didn't ham it up so much which you know they it was cheesy they were being like very uh over the top with their performances but i think there was still a, an element of seriousness to it so i think that you know the villain you know is being very shakespearean and all this kind of stuff it's it's kind of like a star wars approach of like over the top not a kind of like mortal combat as we said before um and i think that they focus in so much on the kind of like this is different in the future this is different and some of it like is varying effects as to like what's actually funny or what's good but coming out of films like Multiverse of Madness in which they're like, oh, this world is just red is go and green is stop. And you're like, that's such a lazy, boring, like multiverse. So for this film to actually like genuinely look at like some interesting concepts, granted some are quite predictable or just downright weird. But yeah, I, I had fun with it. I think with something like this, it's all down to like the villains and the heroes. Stallone, I thought was fantastic. 
Wesley Snipes was having a great time, I think. And he's probably one of the big reasons that I enjoyed this film. I love Wesley Snipes in this movie. <laughs> I thought he was terrific. And he was definitely having so much fun. I also just love the fact that he's wearing, for the majority of the film, a pair of dungarees. <laughs> I don't know why, but I just thought that look, he looked so funny. Like a cross between Chucky the Killer Doll and like, uh, like MC Hammer. Like Because even at the beginning of the film, he's wearing like the very 90s um, checkered jacket with the big shoulder pads. Like, he just looks really uh, colourful and bombastic. And uh, it's really funny because uh, <laughs> the, the, the whole point of the film is that he's been brought out because, like, he will help deal with this issue and he's going to cause enough chaos that maybe we can do all this. But there's, like, no subtlety to him. And it's really funny because, like, you think, well, surely they could isolate him. But it goes into the idea of what the film's trying to say is that the world that they're in is just a little bit too soft. Because, like, that's, the thing is, this film is a satire. It doesn't nail it all the time. I can definitely admit that much. But it's just really great that they took these two larger-than-life characters and just dumped him into the squeaky clean uh, utopian future, or should we say dystopian future, um, of San Angeles. Um, yeah, Wesley's he's got some great lines in this. I love his bleach blonde hair as well. <laughs> it's so nice, isn't it? He looks so, he looks so colourful. Like, I just love the first bit when he swears and then he gives him the fine and he just goes, what? And just swears back at it. And he's just like, he doesn't care. Apparently Wesley Snipes hated that hair though. And even like it's inspired other people. I think there was like an NBA player who was just like, yeah, this like inspired my colourful haircut. But Wesley Snipes was not a fan. <laughs> he got rid of it as soon as he could. I like it. It's very 90s. It fits in. But then I guess it doesn't then work if you're in the future because I don't know if people would have bleach blonde hair. But I think, the co like you said, the costumes and stuff, like that kind of stuff does make a difference. And, you know, it, it, it shows in which they've gone to that extra level of detail of picking, I think, like quite good locations as well in which you're like, oh, that, you know, is clearly just a street that you've just made up with like a few random sci-fi stuff. I think they picked quite effective locations to make it seem like it was the future. And I think that there was enough sort of set dressing and stuff and the visual effects, I guess, to some way, you know, was very, again, of that era in which they're like, everything is metal and steel and like zapping electricity, you know, so the graffiti thing, you know, it's like that was just so like 90s but like 90s expectations of the future again it's like everything's electric and static and like metal you know so i think that 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 was really telling and i think even like the costumes i think their uniforms that they wear are quite cool like i think when stallone is like running around i'm like he looks pretty threatening i think like you know he he looks pretty damn good like the beret is obviously a bit cheesy but he is wearing like the the police you know garb at, at the sort of later part of the film but yeah I, I agree chris i think the wesley snipes is just it's typical kind of like dystopian future stuff isn't it by the end especially because even though at first he's wearing this kind of like 80s like 90s crazy you know gangster kind of outfit later when he has the more like futuristic stuff and it just looks like somebody's taken like parts of like vacuum cleaners and what were the people called who were like the, the scrabs or something was it um the like sewer you mean people the basically oh yeah the scraps <laughs> scrabs <laughs> like they the way that they were dressed and stuff like that i was like yeah you know you immediately know who these guys are it's very mad max vibes as soon as you see them i still can't work out those three seashells are full <laughs> <laughs> apparently sandra bullock did like allude to what it could be and i was like kind of reading it being like no i i don't want to know i was like this it kind of like sounded a bit gross so i was and i didn't know how yeah. like legitimate that was but um yeah it was bizarre <laughs> 
What can I say? The film decided not to elaborate on that. Can I can I just ask a question for the room? Because I feel like this is probably affecting sort of my view of the film. And I think it's something that Chris, both Chris and Sarah have said. I just wanted to sort of, sort of elaborate on. When you say that the film is doing something very clever with its sort of approach to satire, what exactly... I'm trying to say this in a way which doesn't make me sound pretentious. What exactly do you mean by that? Like, what exactly is the film doing? I think it is sort of going... Um, well, this is where I think the satire doesn't always work. It's the idea of um, a world that's so obsessed with peace that it's, it doesn't... Uh, it can't handle certain things. But I think where it... Because when I was watching the film, I was like, oh, I don't think this film's getting it right. Like, I don't think it's nailing this because, like, the idea that everyone's too soft to handle crime. Like, the bit I've got here with the, where the 187, the first MDK happens, and no one even recognizes that number, I was like, right, well, that's, that's, that's bollocks. That's stupid. You would know what that means, even if you've not had one since 2010. Um, like that was, which was 22 years ago at this point in the film. So I thought that's silly. Um, but I think where the film sort of gets it wrong is or where the film sort of nails it right is that the guy who's set up this whole thing turns out to be, uh, the, the, the villain, you know, the mastermind behind it all. So he's manipulating society to do what he wants. Again, I don't think it does it, it nails it. I think one of the biggest problem that the film has is that it gets its messagings mixed up quite a lot throughout. Um, but I do like the idea of, um, cause for me, I liked the idea of him getting a criminal, a hardened criminal from the past to come and stir up some trouble because there's already trouble brewing underground. Yeah. And he's got somebody that he's like, I don't like this guy. I want to like get rid of him cause he's like affecting my utopia kind of thing. So it's a very, so narcissistic selfish kind of approach to it that needed to be embellished more that underworld and that guy as a terrorist yeah. leader that's where i think it, it doesn't its messaging could have been a lot clearer if you had this guy and you had like you know more of the media portraying him as this negative person and then by the time you finally meet him you realize ah i can see where you're coming from now it's it's one of those things where as much I think that they were onto something pretty good, but they didn't quite stick the landing all the time. But one of the things that I think is the strength of the film is that it does commit to being a silly movie. Um, it reminded me a lot of Idiocracy. Something it reminds me a lot of, if like a modern example, is Hunger Games, in which, again, that kind of goes with the same look of like, you know, what if like people took this idea of like luxury and idealism to an extreme? And there it's very much showing, you know, like they go to parties and it's just like, oh, you too full? Like just drink this drink and then you just throw it all up and, you know, like then you can just keep eating. And it's very much going for like, yes, these are greedy, like self-indulgent people. And they show the other side with the rebels being like, these are why these are the ideal people. These are the people who are downtrod. This film doesn't show the scraps effectively enough to say this is actually what we should be aiming for. There's some fun stuff with them and you see that they're nice people, but it doesn't really make it clear that they're actually sort of like trodden on in a way. They kind of like have this weird balance of being like, they are criminals, but they aren't too bad, you know? So I think that could have been clearer. Sure. But the reason I don't think that that comparison with Hunger Games is sort of my issue with the film here is because the issue, the message of what they're going for in that in the Hunger Games comparison is just 
yeah, look at how far these people are willing to go to continue to oppress uh, the lower classes and to maintain their power, right? And just all for frivolous greed. I think that's quite easy to get on board with. My issue here is that the me- a lot of the messaging and it seems to be this idea of just, oh, everyone is... And I do get this reading, even if they're trying to like not do it. I do get this reading of, oh, everyone is too soft, including the police not having enough power and violence to do things. Maybe the police should be more violent. So funnily enough, I I really don't like that as an idea. And I think that there are going to be lots of people, if they were to just come across this film now, would literally just go, yeah, may, maybe the police, you know, being a bit brutal is a bit effective. Whereas I, I also just don't understand how they, they show any form of like authoritarian control in this world, apart from like really, really stupid. It's one of those films where, you know, where I, I have this issue a lot, David, where if I just don't get on board with the, the initial premise... I just don't get on board with the rest of the film. I cannot get on board with a film which is so totalitarian that they would literally fine people for swearing and for having general negative thoughts to the point of making everyone sound like a robot, but is also so soft that if people commit crimes, they can't do anything about it. That doesn't make sense to me. And that's where I think a lot of my, a lot of this messaging of, well, maybe this is what society should be specifically with this force does sort of rub me up the wrong way if like there was just even if there was just like a a secret sort of brutal police police force actually enforces these things i think a lot of the messaging would come off clearer but the fact that you literally have these police officers saying things like there's been a murder death kill what the hell is that um yeah and it's so it's not a case of, for me, it's not a case of the silliness. It just comes off as babyish. And I think that's where, like, it sort of really rubs me up the wrong way. I think for me, and I don't know if Sarah will agree here, because obviously, and you mentioned the kind of, like, approach and how they, you know, do it in a clever way. I think, one, I think Stallone is, like, a massive part about why it works, because you, you've got somebody who's condemning what they're doing throughout the entire thing. So he's like, this is dumb, this is stupid. So I don't feel that they ever are like, yeah, this is great. Or it's like our heroes are kind of encapsulating this, because Sandra Bullock, for example kind of wants to like break out of this she's like you know like i want to be in the real world she's kind of like a disney princess of like yeah it's not healthy to live in this way and i think the fact that then he's like mocking things like the swearing and stuff like that but when i mentioned i think this film to somebody in which i said you know this is in the next episode somebody said something similar of like oh that hasn't aged well in terms of like their commentary on the police but at the same time if you you know that i think that's i think what you said earlier chris is that the political commentary it's going for i don't think is too like on it's quite on the nose like on surface but i never felt i was being preached to for example i never felt that they were like this is bad like or look look how goofy this is i think that they do have like a balance in some ways of like good and you know pros and cons but i think i'll you know like what you're saying there craig about like you know like yeah violence is a good thing but if you look at the other side of it you could also see the messaging as uh, what happens when you over police people you know so that a scene where they're going up to wesley snipes and they're like you know like approach person do this do that and you know in my mind i couldn't help but think like oh imagine if that computer was saying like you know put knee on neck which i know is quite a grim you know comparison to make there but 
you know, I think it is something that it is alluding to of like the idea of over-policing and also that these criminals are like not salvageable, that they need to literally be reprogrammed. And they're saying that these scraps and stuff like, oh, they're just like lost. Like society is only like good if like everyone is obeying the rules and everyone does exactly as we say. And Sylvester Stallone's character is kind of there to be like, no, that's not what life is about. And like you are over policing yourself. And that's why him as the demolition man, like I come in and blow things up, is kind of like the the best kind of juxtaposition to that yeah but the rules they're following are just are just so ineffective because they are literally just like issue fret with no like backup of anything that's why i just don't i just don't think it works like that so i agree with your friend i don't think it's a i just don't think it's aged well yeah but i i I don't i kind of think that's the point is just the fact that they're like here's form that tells you what you've done but sarah what do you think is reams of stuff there to discuss i guess i'm gonna be you know sort of contextual sort of person i guess so when i looked this up um i guess i realized that it was it came out the year after the la riots which i guess is sort of like around the area what we're talking about so it would have been filmed i guess in the same sort of year that happened which yeah like you say craig kind of it's it's that police abuse of power i guess and then kind of flipping it but then asking them to use more force i don't know it's it is a it's a tough toughie and then i guess yeah and then i don't know if you're going to allude to this later david but um obviously it's based on a brave new world which is this sort of dystopian sort of futuristic novel which is very loose i've read the book it's like yeah i can see some parallels but it's not a carbon copy i guess i think it's clever in the sense that i think some of the the social commentary more in the sort of comedic aspect i agree now looking back on it maybe the police aspect doesn't hold up i completely agree with that part but for me i just the bits i take away are the sort of the, sort of the dialogue the scripts that's what i enjoyed it's not perfect i am very much aware of that um but yeah i guess think i think just think maybe the context of when it's happening um i guess it maybe might help with that sort of situation oh i i will just be clear i give stallone and i give wesley snipes massive credit for the performances if only for wesley snipes because he is basically just doing a, a very good sort of modern joker sort of performance the rest because of the way in which they were disconstructed just it's it's a bit too alien for me like like i think some i think some of the sort of contextualization of the world like the war the sort of weird greeting of be well um, I think does does a good job of showing like, you know, just how sort of like inhuman this society has become. But some of the some of the things that Bullock does in this film, I'm just like, what are you doing? She's very frustrating. <laughs> the entire sex scene, I was just like, why has this been included? Yeah, that sex scene. This film should have an epilepsy warning. Like, Jesus Christ, my eyes were etched oh with that scene. Not from just how weird it was, but just the lights. Are like, I was watching in a dark room, granted, but I was like, my God, I could still see that for like 10 minutes afterwards. Yeah, I, 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 it was so loud as well. Like, it was just those, the screeches and like the, the shocking things you'd have. Like, if I was wearing headphones, I would have probably had a, had a really bad headache coming out of that scene. It, it was... I think to Craig's point, though, it's, it's where I sort of think, like, considering how silly some of the people were in the police station, I think the film needed to be a little bit sillier. With its, It sounds weird, but, like, if you have a premise that this, which is this silly, go even further with it, which is why I think the dialogue and Wesley Snipes' character is so over the top. But I do agree that the some of the uh, way they portray, like, the police in this 
it's a bit too dumb. I think for me, the the one of the best ones was the fine for swearing. I think that's actually, I think that's pretty clever. I do think the police needed to be a lot better than they were. They didn't need to be that inept. Or as you mentioned, like there, there should have been like a certain, there should have been different levels of police, like a secret police, like a pro- an actual proper secret police, which would have been really interesting to see. And it's why I liked the fact that the, was it Dr. Cocteau? Doctor, yeah, Doctor Raymond Cocteau. Yes, sounds like a cocktail. Like, can I have a Doctor Cocteau, please? Yeah, can I get a Doctor Cocteau? It's just an empty glass. <laughs> um, but like, I, I liked the idea of of him uh, bringing in a hardened criminal just to try and pr- prove his point. But it, 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 it's sort of where the film sort of failed is we needed to see more of the scraps. We needed to see more of that underworld. Um, my the biggest thing I enjoyed about this film is is because it's very campy and it's very silly. But I can totally appreciate the um, a lot of the dis the, cogn- the dissonance that's created with some of the uh, uh, commentary in the film. Yeah, I th- I think that like you know that saves it for me is again the campiness, the silliness, but also like you said, elements like the the fine in thing. What I appreciated about that is that maybe today they would be like, that's too distracting. You can't have like a voice talking over people every single time because every time it happens, it's saying it in the background. It's going like, you know, you have been fine. Da, 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 da. And I just kind of like that. As it made me feel like, you know, it's like a video game or something like that. It seemed like something that would happen, you know, when you get like trucks and stuff, which are like vehicle reversing and things like that. It just seemed like of that age in which we've like, over digitalized stuff you know we got things like siri and all that kind of thing so i like that it was like it was just the aesthetic of the film i think that like the police headquarters i thought that that looked like really convincing you know it looked quite effective the sets you know that idea of like all these posh voices added to the fact that like this you know cocteau guy is the villain and all these like robot voices you hear are usually like posh english voices which kind of adds to the like the fact that it's all like run by aristocrats and stuff like that so i think that you know i enjoyed that as a kind of technical element that every time you could hear it in the background so even when characters were swearing so heavily you would hear it every single time sarah was there gags and fun visuals and stuff we mentioned wesley snipes earlier that sort of stood out for you i guess i kind of really enjoyed the sort of self-awareness of it like the um, I remember them dropping like Schwarzenegger's name. They there was even a line I wrote it down. It says, "Excuse me, Rambo, I need to borrow this." You're like, this film is so meta. <laughs> yeah, I love those little things, like a lethal weapon poster, and I just um, I like those little things. I like self aware things. It was almost verging on like parody. It was when those things came up, which I don't know. I kind of liked it. Um, but yeah, I thought it was funny. I, I'm surprised no one's mentioned it, but the whole Taco Bell gag. Oh, yeah. Like the advertising of Taco and Bell. And I loved the idea of a, like the fast food wars or something like that. I was like, yeah, I want to see, see that film. <laughs> I wanted to go down to the scraps and see the McDonald's staff or like Ronald McDonald there. Like, I've been banished. You know? <laughs> yeah. And the hamburger just like yeah. worse for wear. <laughs> interestingly again this didn't this isn't in the facts so something i saw apparently in other countries where taco bell doesn't exist it was changed for like pizza hut and stuff like that so country dependent on what who won the franchise was yeah it's international because that's the thing i don't know the scale of this film because obviously they're saying it's this one small city but is the rest of the world like this i don't know (laughs) this is definitely a film that knows exactly what it's doing 
you know, and like the references, you know, referencing Rambo, referencing Schwarzenegger, they're all, it, this, and obviously this was in 1993, so we'd already had a good what, 10 years of 80s action movies at this point. So I think this was definitely the self-aware era of action where it was like, uh, yeah, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Hey, remember that? Remember that thing? And which can be quite tiresome, but it's quite it's quite sweet for this movie, I thought. And I think what pulls off again this like silliness for me is again moments in the script is some of that like witty dialogue. Like for me, the scene, you know, somebody who I've like even the professor at the start, I think um he's been like in quite a lot of like British like productions and stuff. I think he's also the voice of uh the father in disney's tarzan interestingly but again just the way that entire like scene plays out in which he's like he's such a like elaborate like cartoon scientist of like oh we're going to like you know extract this man and you know so you already get cartoon vibes from seeing this character which again gives me kind of like sam raimi vibes almost in a way um and then you know bob gunton as you know the chief again i just thought his line when he said mr phoenix has risen from the ashes and you know we need to like you know bring him down with the demolition man there's so many times in which they were like shakespearean and theatrical and i just loved like the presence that he had and the lines that they sort of delivered with such seriousness which i just thought was you know was quite effective and quite funny i guess the like the silly moments that stood out to me in terms of the gags which worked one was like the screens you know like when they're turning around and like they're constantly just that awkward like metal box which again is kind of like almost like what we're doing now like zoom in a way and then uh the knitting gag i it's silly and but like just the idea that they were like you get reprogrammed to like do something else in society and you're like okay i understand why they were doing this process now because they don't make that you know like you said chris earlier there's some things that they'd like you know, there's the whole thing of like rule of three, say it three times so you remember. They just say like, oh, these people are going into things because they'll be reprogrammed. And you're like, How? why are they being cryogenically frozen? But it's made clearer once Sandra Bullock makes that clear about how they've changed their skill set and stuff. And I think the way that they played with the knitting, the jumper thing, I was like, this was done, you know, I think, well, I think they could have made it really corny. It could have been something like, oh, I know knitting and he could have been using the jumper at the end as a weapon or something stupid like that. But I thought that they managed to rein it in enough that Stallone was just there like, seriously, what the hell? And again, it was that parody element that, you know, almost that the film knew what it was doing and Stallone was almost reacting to the plot of the film himself. I'll say this as well. I love the gun sound effects. I loved that they were crunchy gun sound effects, big bat. Because I was talking about this the other day with like remasters of films and like they're trying to make guns sound more authentic and realistic. And I'm like, it's just not the same. I want I want my gun to sound like you're literally causing a supernova. It's only a pistol, but it's a powerful pistol. And this film's great, like when they're shooting stuff, and then when he's just walking around the hall of was it the hall of violence which is a fantastic name for a section of a museum. But whenever he fires a gun, it's loud. And it, 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 need, and it needed to be loud as well because it just sort of added to the, uh, to the film. I've just realized something as well about this movie and I re- I, what this film is. This is Stallone's last action hero. Which is like the real like last action hero is like the sort of the self-aware movie within the movie action hero within the movie sort of thing. And I think that's what this was trying. They both came out the same year as well. And they both reference both Arnie and Stallone reference each other in the, in those films respective in their respective films. And I feel like this was sort of 
another attempt at like that sort of because again it's the self-aware action hero movie and that's definitely something that i'm starting to realize now that i think about it like, ah that's what they were going for they're they're sort of the self-aware action movie i think that was the sort of the where they wanted the genre to go is uh, acknowledging how silly it is acknowledging it but also still enjoying it as you go along and that's probably what i think is why this film is done so well is that it it is still very fun. Great, great action sequences, great dialogue. And yeah, well, well, there's a lot of issues with the satire itself. This movie nails being an action movie because it's not no. boring at all. And I think like the, the gun aspect in terms of, like Wesley Snipes character is quite fun that he's like, Ooh, I've got all, like, I've got like old guns to play with, but then there's this futuristic gun. And it literally, it's like you said, Chris, it's like, this isn't just a laser. This is like, you know, you know, it's so loud when it happens. So the only thing that, you know, sort of pissed me off with, we were talking about like, that is silly. That wouldn't happen. I was like, as soon as he walked into that museum, I was like, please don't tell me they're loaded. Please don't say there's ammo in there. And there is. And I'm like, why would a museum, like even the most like, you know, utopian of society put loaded weapons into oh, it's a worse. museum? It's worse than that. It's not just a case of they're loaded with like a single round. They seem to have multiple rounds in. Like how long, how, many, how much is he shooting just like random dummies? until eventually he has to, like, go to reload a gun. Take those cassettes, rewind them, and play them again, because it's VHS Corner. I thought that David did such a good job last time that I've asked him to do it again, so he's going to be walking us through some of the -the behind-the-scenes trivia of this film, so take it away, David. So I'll start off with, again, a crazy link to last time we were talking about Rush Hour. And somebody who's mentioned in this film, uh, Sylvester Sloan wanted Simon Phoenix to be played by Jackie Chan. Chan declined the offer since Asian audiences give negative feedback on the idea of action stars from either Hong Kong or Hollywood who have always been uh, who have always played heroes would all of a sudden become typecasted as villains. <clears throat> uh, also, when we're talking about like the filming of this. Uh, Apparently, Sylvester Sloan described the cryogenic freezing scene as probably the worst five hours I've ever had on movie sets. I was terrified, is the quote. And I'm not surprised because the one thing that made me laugh about that is when he has to awkwardly crouch into the into the tube, which just made me laugh so much. Um, then in terms, uh, you know, talking again about Stallone, uh, we've talked about the reception to this film. Sylvester Sloan is on record as being pleased with the movie, calling it a good action film ahead of its time. So touching on what we've mentioned there, was it, you know, is, is it a fun action movie? Did they predict a lot of stuff? When we're talking about the futuristic stuff, this is where the seashells comes in. And this is just such a like predictable, mundane reason that this was in here that I had to throw it in. So according to screenwriter Daniel Waters, the inspiration for the three shells came about when he was writing a scene where Spartan has to use a restroom. He was trying to come up with futuristic things you'd find in there. He was having trouble, so he called a buddy, another screenwriter across town, and asked him if he had any ideas. Coincidentally enough, that person was in the bathroom when he answered the phone, looked around the bathroom and said, I have a bag of seashells on the toilet as a decoration. And Water says, okay, I'll make something out of that. (laughs) So yeah, it literally was as literal as that, which I did think when I was watching that scene, I was like, is this to do with like seashells in those decorations? But yeah, that that was the inspiration. During filming, uh, Rob Schneider became friends with Sandra Bullock, but had reservations about her next project, some bus movie that he didn't think would take off. 
That film turned out to be Speed from 1994, which was one of next year's most critically and financially successful movies, which I love the idea of some bus movie, or as many Simpsons fans will know it, the bus that wouldn't slow down. <laughs> I'm glad that somebody... Yes. I'm glad that I was right in thinking this. This actually has a first for Jack Black. He had an early role as one of the Wasteland scraps. You can see him in like some of the action scenes. Like He's very, very in the background. But when I saw him, I was like, is that Jack Black? So once I read this, I was glad I, I felt you know correct in, in my spot of him there. Previously mentioned about how the film has changed in different territories with the Taco Bell aspect. But interestingly, we were talking about how this film is so similar to other action movies, especially Stallone Schwarzenegger films. Well, in Kuwait, the renamed Arabic title was actually Rambo the Destroyer, since both Conan the Destroyer and Rambo First Blood Part 2 were action-packed blockbusters from Hollywood since the mid-1980s. The distributor thought associating Sylvester Stallone to Rambo in the title will sell more tickets due to the popularity of both films in the United Arab Emirates nation, despite the movie having nothing to do with the Rambo and Conan franchises. So we talked a lot there about like how to sell a movie and stuff like that. They literally were just like, you know, imagine if they did that now, just be like, oh, you know, like Batman, the beginning or something. And it's like, this isn't anything to do with Batman. So yeah, that one I thought was quite fun. I kind of do want to see a Rambo time travel movie. <laughs> just people watching it being like, is this Rambo? Is this like, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> but yeah, thoughts on some of those facts. <laughs> Chris, obviously you were laughing at uh, one particular fact there. The, the, the some bus movie just got me really. <laughs> that just solidified to me that yet again, Rob Schneider doesn't know what he's talking about. Also, fun fact, no matter how many casters I look at, Rob Schneider is not credited anywhere for this film. And I'm just like, why? That's true, yeah. This is this is probably one of your less I want to punch you in the face sort of films. Even if you do have that really stupid, uh, unnecessary, obnoxious laugh when he said, he doesn't know how to use the, the seashells. <laughs> yeah. Craig doesn't like Rob Schneider, if you couldn't. Most sensible people don't like Rob Schneider. No, I don't like him. Correct. Do you think he pissed off someone on the crew and they thought, let's just get his name off this damn movie? I find it interesting as well that Glenn Shadix is in this because we recently talked about Beetlejuice and the fact that this is, you know, quite near to that. And again, he's playing like the same character in a lot of ways. It's just like, yep, that was his shtick. You know, that's what he did. Like come in and play this kind of like pompous, you know, like advisor. (laughs) It's just funny how, again, same role every time. And such such near to each other films. And also very similar hairstyles. Sarah, was there anything that stuck <laughs> out to you there? Um, I guess it was quite interesting what you said about the um the change of titles and I guess it goes back to what we were saying earlier about how these actors would bring in um people to the cinema. You know, there were names, so obviously it did have an international reach. Yes, they changed the title, manipulated the audience. Who doesn't? Um, but yeah, I guess it's yeah, it's just solidifying what we said earlier about the the sort of influence back then. I don't know, especially if that would combining now. them. I love that aspect because it kind of like what we were talking yeah. earlier about action figures. Another one I read was that um, apparently there was a Demolition Man action figure, but it was just a repainted He Man. <laughs> so it's kind of like again, ah. just recycle it all, just repaint it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, I love Jackie Chan as an actor. I genuinely think the film would be unbearable if he were the villain. I cannot see a world where he pulls off the same sort of 
manic energy sort of quippiness especially because we were saying previously about like you know his native language isn't english and the fact that wesley snipes is like speaks spanish at certain points in this film oh God, that, yeah. you know, it would have even be even harder to understand what was going on so i think the charisma of snipes really again embraces because it's from the get-go like as soon as you see that character you're like oh wow this you know this is a choice <laughs> uh you know the fact that what he's going for he doesn't like kind of build up to it he's like no he is crazy man from the beginning and even the fact, like, you know, when it's, like, listing the crimes, because even someone like Joker, who, you know, you've got a film like Todd Phillips' Joker, in which you're like, you know, should I be supporting this character? He's doing horrible things. But, you know, again, I somewhat agree with maybe some of the, you know, reasons he's doing it, etc. But this film, in which they were just like, here's the list of crimes, it's just, like, the first one, rape. And you were like, oh, God, like, you know, I, I, don't, I feel bad about, like, enjoying the campiness of this villain now. The fact that you've, like, pinpointed that is one of the main crimes that he did. You were like, oh, God. Yeah, David, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really does sort of take the oomph out of the colourful character, doesn't it? And you're like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, and also there's a bit where he's just openly racist. Yeah. Which again, theme of the nineties. <laughs> yeah, just openly racist, and it's like, mm. <laughs> it's like that's not cool. I mean, obviously, like he's a he's a he's a in an action movie. It's it's weird that sort of this where you're like, oh yeah, I don't mind him like causing explosions and blowing up government property, but dude, come on, yeah, don't do that. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like you've crossed the line now. Moving on then, so we'll wrap it up now with, uh, as we said earlier, our usual task of deciding whether today's film deserves a place in our movie vault. So for new listeners or guests, we'd like to think of this as a cryogenically frozen capsule of films, good and sometimes bad, that should be remembered for someone to dig up in the future. So maybe it deserves its fame, maybe it's been forgotten, or maybe it's just great but just doesn't quite fit the bill. So should Demolition Man gain the honour of a place in our movie vault and be remembered full time? I think I know Craig's answer to this. So maybe we'll get that out of the way. Yeah, no, no, thanks. I'm going to be, I'm going to be watching these answers like a hawk, by the way. <laughs> I, I don't know whether I should make this more tricky for the guests or kind of like, but I guess the fact that, I don't know. Yeah, I got to do it. So I'm going to say, I think it should, because it's so campy and fun. I think that it's silly, it's entertaining. And I think in some ways Stallone was right. Maybe it was ahead of its time. And like we've said, Maybe now if it was made, they would have adjusted those kind of like commentary. They would have said like, oh, and let's make it clear what we're saying. It's hard to say like whether, you know, the standpoint that they're taking. Personally, I don't feel that they're taking one side. But, you know, I guess that comes down to like even, you know, most stories in which would you take that? It's kind of like war films. A lot of people will say like, you know, well, I don't think that you should be glorifying war or something like that. Um, but aside from all of that i think there's just it knows so much what it is i think that as we said it's kind of embraced the legacy of these films by having like references to other ones there's so many great actors in this there's a lot of like memorable lines and moments i think it's silly and fun and i think it would be like a fun addition to the movie vault so i've, I've created this divide for you now guys so good luck untangling that <laughs> chris what do you think it's it's tough because like because again like i i thought i was going to enjoy this a lot less when i saw mm. it again same and while i i can quite clearly pick holes in it and make a lot of commentary about it and all the problems about it i could do that for a lot of movies like if i go back to the 90s and and, and the 80s i could do that for quite a lot of films and and it would it it would be quite easy to do i think because 
things are products of their time and when that doesn't excuse some of that stuff that might have happened that i could disagree with it is something that i can always do but i will say like i do think demolition man should go in the vault um while i don't think it nailed the satire i think it, it wasn't a bad satire while i do think some of its commentary might be a bit messy i think it was very it was clever at the time to have an action movie be this self-aware um because action movies were never this self-aware in my opinion particularly with the, the subject matter they're going with again other films have done it have done this style of filmmaking far better than this but i do think this film should be in the vault even just from the fact that as one of Stallone's many action films he's done this is definitely one of the best that isn't Rambo or um, gosh I was going to say <laughs> Judge Dredd um, yeah. <laughs> no this, I, I, I think this should go in the vault also the interesting legacy of characters from the 90s who get like turned to ice and smashed because like when I saw the end into this, like spoilers, like Wesley Snipes, you know, like gets frozen and like his head gets smashed in. I was like, oh, I th- maybe I have seen this because when I was young, I have a specific image like you, Chris, of watching a film on TV with my cousins and being like, I shouldn't be watching this. This is too violent. And I, I can never remember what it was. And I thought it was Terminator 2 years later because that happens in that film. But correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you see a head specifically smashed. It's more just the entire body. So I was like, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, maybe it was this film that I actually saw. But it just makes me laugh. There's so many, like the logic of like, yes, if you freeze metal, it just shatters. And you're like, okay <laughs> yeah yeah the, the ice is way the physics of the ice in movies is very interesting it's all mortal combat physics sarah i could see you really deliberating in your brain there um i would say it's like down to you but again i suppose you could give it a draw vote which you know like would be i i think i would know where i would go if if that is the decision but what do you think mm, yeah it's not obvious it's not you know it's like we've all touched upon it's not perfect but it's fun um I can enjoy it for what it is, you know. You know, you've mentioned things like Van Helsing and things like this, you've, which were earlier down. But have you got anything this fun in the vault? I'm not so sure. You know, something you could just kick back, relax for two hours, and enjoy. But it's I don't David, know. David, can you yeah, send the might... list of what's in the vault? Because I think there are definitely things that are actively fun in the vault. I'm trying to see it. Well, we got things like Volcano, which is a disaster film. We've got Mortal Kombat. We've got Excalibur, which is a very goofy kind of like medieval film. Uh, we've got films like Snatch. Uh, we've got uh, any other source, similar ones. Mm, I don't know. That's what I mean. I think they does encapsulate that kind of like 80s, 90s action, which I don't think we've had. We've had fun films, but I don't think that we've had like action hero, as we said, uh, movie. And it's interesting because Chris mentioned, like you said, would there be better candidates? Possibly, probably. So, but I don't know. I just feel that it still comes down to the fact that it's like, I had fun. It is really good. I think that like it, it's interesting to kind of like look, it's, it's, it's brought about so many questions on this episode. I think it's interesting in that point of view. Craig disagrees. No, I, I mean, like I said, I think, I think part of the messaging is actively harmful, but hey ho, like. It's interesting to look back on and see how we've evolved, how we've changed especially maybe with the LA riots element that uh, Sarah brought in. To Craig's point, though, I think the film tries to address that itself, but it doesn't, again, like even the ending of the film, what is it he just says? Just meet in the middle. It's kind of like the the film is trying to send the message that totalitarianism is bad, but I think its perspective of what totalitarianism is doesn't really mesh well. 
Um, well, it's also just the fact that the film again is it just ends you know it's like that sopranos thing or whatever it's just like he's like is he's living in the future now he's happy like what's going on <laughs> mm. do i want it to go in yeah sure. <laughs> <laughs> you can have fun in there <laughs> sorry craig so if uh, like not to make Sarah feel bad but if it had gone tie I think I would have said no on the sense that there wasn't a consensus but I think on the basis the three people have said that they had a fun time it should go in for that sorry Craig but it's another addition to the movie vault that is uh, a bit of a um, problematic one or uh, <laughs> can't be silly one that maybe wasn't enjoyed so yeah into the movie vault goes demolition man do you agree at home let us know continue the debate uh, i'm sure it'll cause a lot of conversation we're in the end game now oh, it's so annoying. okay end game time so this is a game simply called post alone <laughs> <laughs> I want to focus specifically on on uh, uh, Sylvester Stallone as a person, mainly because if I think more about this film, I genuinely want to kill myself. Uh, he's a very likable man. I think it's very worthwhile saying that uh, because not only does he have like you know a lot of film roles where, he, like outside of the action persona, he does play the sort of uh, rising up the sort of char- uh, you know rising up from nothing sort of characters, um, and very much fighting against. Uh, you know, impossible odds. Uh, he has like a lot of inspirational quotes. He's he's often quoted in interviews of saying like relatively insightful things. Uh, and that's basically going to be the, the idea of this game. What I've done is I've taken a load of quotes that are from him himself and I've mixed them in with quotes of his in various films. And by various films, I potentially mean the Rocky and the Rambo film fr- uh, franchise. Is it going to be your job to try and to try and guess quickfire uh, whether it's a quote that he said or a quote from his films? So the way this will work is basically I'll read out a quote. I want you to buzz in, and by that I mean just say like me or just indicate you want to answer. If you get it right, you get a point. If you get it wrong, your opponent gets the point. Oh. So, I could just be safe and just say nothing. You could. That was, you know, this audio podcast would be relatively dead in the water if you were to do that. <laughs> what I might do is I'll probably put in like a, a 20 second sort of timer. Uh, if you haven't answered in that time, it's just null and void. But before that, we need to see what it is that we'd be playing for. So, as always, the winner of this endgame will get to choose from a number of films what gets discussed in next week's episode. Those films will be provided by the two of you as well as David. Uh, So, David, uh, what potential car wreck of a film do you want us to discuss for next time? (laughs) How do you know it's a car wreck? Because your taste in films at this point, David. Like, <laughs> So I have gone for a film from 2015. Uh, it's staying down the genre of science fiction. And my connecting sort of idea here is that this film deals with a lot of like kind of like lore and ideas, you know, this thing of like the swearing, etc. So this film is something that sort of suffers for that. I think that this is where we've had fun with this and it's kind of like being 50-50. This film was very negatively received 
but you know it's an interesting one to watch in terms of why it fails it's also got the interesting element of a oscar winning actor who also is a razzie winning actor and i'll give you a quote from one of the oh, interviews after no, it which is my is. character had his larynx ripped out by a wolf man and so i made the bold choice which i thought was right at the time to talk like that for the entire film that is my choice okay so i already know what this is <laughs> so david's film from 2015 <laughs> chris what do you have for us i have a film from uh 1987 and it's continuing the themes of dystopia satire big meaty men slapping meat and jesse the body ventura an interesting combination excellent and finally sarah what would you like us to have um so my film is from 2002 and it's very similar in terms of, you know, a few investigative um, people looking for some criminals. Um, maybe maybe something's been invented that could potentially, you know, help or hinder um, finding this Okay, criminal. I think I also know what yours is, based on that premise in the film alone. The only one I have literally zero idea of what it is is Chris's. A variety of different decades to be looking at. Obviously, the winner of the Endgame gets to choose one of those three films. You don't have to choose your own. You can choose somebody else's if the premise sounds uh, intriguing enough to you. It is completely your choice. But to get to that honour, you need to win the Endgame. So, are we ready to play Post Alone? Yes. Okay, your first quote. I'm more focused and have a greater sense of challenge because I constantly feel the weight of time. Buzz. Sarah? Real Stallone life stallone <laughs> so is it a real life quote yes it is yes yes unfortunately the source i'm using doesn't give tell me whether it's like a an interview or a, or, a, or a speech but that is something that he did say in real life quote number two usually whenever you're scared of something do it if you're not afraid of it don't do it chris Yep. Movie? Is it a movie? No, it's real life. Yes. <laughs> I would say probably harmful advice because there are some things I'm afraid of doing because of, you know, the consequences. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just sounds so vague. <laughs> Next quote. Love is totally about loyalty. People fade, looks fade, but loyalty never fades. Chris. Yep. That's got to be a movie. Is it a movie? No, he genuinely said oh this. Oh my god. <laughs> is, is Sylvester Stallone real? <laughs> what? Poetry by Stallone. <laughs> what can I say? Are we ready for the next quote? Sure. The older I get, the more things I gotta leave behind. That's life. Buzz. Sarah? Movie? Is it a movie? That is a movie. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Don't ask me what movie, though. It's like Expendables or something? Sounds so No, like, like I said, it's literally a choice of two films. It's either going to be a Rambo or a Rocky quote. Oh, okay. Oh. Next up. If I can change and you can change, everybody Chris, can change. movie. Is it's it a, a movie. A, yeah? What movie is it? It's Rocky 3. You are correct. It's Rocky, Rocky 3. Wow. No, actually, no. It's Rocky 4. It's the one with Drago. Next one's going to be tricky because it has a word that would make you think it's one film, but I've told you that that film is not quoted in this article at all. So are you ready for the next quote? 
Yep. We're all expendable. We think the world's going to stop when a pope dies or a king, and then life goes on. <laughs> um, Buzz. Sarah? Real life. I hope. Did he say it in real life? Yes, he did. Ooh. This is somebody who was like, we need to ask Stallone's opinion on the latest Pope death. Or something. <laughs> I, I genuinely don't know what the hell he's been asked in half these films, considering half the films he makes, uh, in these interviews, sorry, because half the films he makes are not that insightful. So why is he talking about these like, <laughs> these like posters you'd see on like, on like mother's sort of Facebook walls? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Stallone reacting to the death of the queen or something like that. <laughs> Next up. She was a great queen. <laughs> Time takes everybody out. Time is undefeated. Chris, movie. It's gotta be a movie. Yes, it is indeed a movie. Yeah. Next up. Life is an opponent that never stops punching, so you better not stop punching back. Is it too obvious? interesting because i'm not sure if what sarah said was a buzz or not chris so i don't know if because i heard sarah no. first but I don't it's chris it's chris <laughs> movie no it's not it is a life quote oh, oh. tricked <laughs> yeah oh. sarah was just like tactical they're like no no it wasn't me, it wasn't me. <laughs> it's because it's because so many have been life so far i was thinking surely there's got to be more movie oh, don't quotes me- in here. don't try and meta game like the, the percentages <laughs> of what i'd go for because that might really disappoint you. Right, next quote. Nobody owes nobody nothing. Chris. Yep. Movie. That is a movie. Yeah. That's the first Rocky, I'm sure. That's the only one I've seen, but it was very good. Yeah. So different to the rest of them. Next quote. Dreams cost nothing. They are free. The hard part is just keeping them going. Buzz. Sarah? Real life, surely. He does indeed say that. Because wow. funnily enough, I think that might be out, out of place in Rambo. I was going to say, please be in Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is, it is real life. Okay, and the final quote for this game, are you ready? Hmm. Yeah. You are what you leave behind. Chris. Real life. Surely. It's real life. Yay. And that... <laughs> is the end of post alone so post post alone the scores chris you got four but with a very respectable seven winning the end game for today it's sarah congratulations thank you very much you are the next in a nicely growing line of uh first time appearer first time winners of the end game how does it feel it feels great. I'm not going to come back, so I end on a streak. You know. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a harsh way for David to find out. <laughs> I'm always a winner. <laughs> never yeah, take exactly. That away from me. It's that Rocky mentality, you know. <laughs> yeah, because Rocky famously won one fight and never yeah. did anything again. <laughs> yeah. Five films later. Just those other films. He's just sat there being like, "Well, sucks to be you, mate. I'm not fighting you." That's why she hasn't watched the rest of the Rocky films. She's like, you know what? I'm happy with that. End yeah. on a high. This is how I'm going to head cannon it. <laughs> yeah. But of course, Sarah, uh, you are the victor and to the victor goes the spoils. So you have a choice of three films in front of you. So would you like to go with David's film from 2015? Would you like to go with Chris's film from 1987? 
or would you like to indeed choose your film? It is completely up to you. It's a lot of pressure. It's, mm. it's not really that much pressure. In the grand <laughs> scheme of things. I have no idea what either film is, to be honest, um, from David or Chris. Um, we all know what my film is. I think Chris is the most ambiguous. I have no idea what it, your film is, Chris. So I think I'm going to go with Chris's film. Okay, so Chris, your film has been selected. So everybody gets something from today, apart from David. Uh, so Chris. Um... <laughs> Demolition Man made it into the vault. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so Chris, so tell us a little bit about this film and then eventually what is the film you have chosen? So, as I said, it is a dystopian satire with big meaty men slapping meat and also Jesse Ventura. This is a uh, world where criminals are put to uh, the test in elaborate game shows uh, televised across the nation. And it was also written uh, as a short story by, uh, what's his name, uh, Richard Barkman, which was the pseudonym for Stephen King. I am, of course, talking about The Running Man. The Running Uh... Man. Arnold Schwarzenegger is forced into a deadly game on the highest-rated TV show of the future. No one has ever survived. But he has yet to play. Arnold Schwarzenegger is The Running Man. I'll be back. Rated R. Starts Friday at a theater near you. So we're also now going down a little bit of a rabbit hole of films called Something Man, but not actually being superheroes. (laughs) Yes, this is a, uh, in my opinion, a far better version of satire than The Demolition Man, but also generally a really fun action movie and has a lot of very colourful characters and was definitely inspired by the 80s era of American gladiators and professional wrestling. Um, And it's a great watch. Okay, fantastic. So David, tell us where, if our viewers wish to watch along, along at home, can they find it? Well, as of recording, this is viewable on Now TV uh, and Sky subscriptions. Uh, That can often change, as often they do put limited times on those types of films. But also you can rent it on the usual places, Amazon, YouTube, uh, Apple TV, all of those kind of places. And as we also mentioned, uh, you can find it, I'm sure, on physical media, DVD, Blu-ray, that kind of stuff. Go search it out. And uh, yeah, good to have uh, that Schwarzenegger pick in the end. As an additional prize, can we have, Craig, you know the one but last quote can we can you read that again so chris can say it in his stallone voice i'll type it out in the zooms no pressure chris no, <laughs> so no you pressure. already did it so i was like <laughs> we need to hear this dreams cost nothing they're free the hard part is keeping them going it was like he's in the room it seems like something somebody should have tattooed on them it does <laughs> it's like his face he probably has it tattooed on himself doesn't he <laughs> well Thank you guys for joining us. Congratulations to Sarah for your win there. And uh, thank you for uh, handing over the film choice to Chris as well. So like Craig said, everyone's a winner there. And uh, yeah, thank you for joining us for this discussion of Demolition Man. So uh, where can the people find you? What projects or uh, anything you got coming up which you want to shout about? And uh, yeah, where can people find you on social media, etc.? 
Uh, Chris, where, where can people find you? Uh, so you can find me uh, as part of my uh, theatre company, Dramatic Moose Productions. Uh, we're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Dramatic Moose Productions. Uh, you can find us on YouTube, uh, youtube.com forward slash Dramatic Moose Productions. We're on Twitter at uh, twitter.com forward slash Dramatic underscore Moose. And the same for our Instagram, Dramatic underscore Moose. Uh, you can also find our website, uh, dramaticmooseproduce.wixsite.com, where you can find uh, uh, information about the team and some of our productions and some more information about what will be coming up soon as uh, we're coming out of the pandemic slowly but surely. And we're hoping to do a few more plays. Uh, we did some shows last year and here's hoping that we'll be doing some more this year. Awesome. Go check them out. It sounds like some, some fun stuff that could be coming up. Sarah, what about yourself? I guess the main place that people can check me out is on YouTube uh, under the name Popcorn Chat. I post fairly regularly. Um, if not, I'm pretty much the same name everywhere. It's either Sarah's Popcorn Chat or S Popcorn Chat on Instagram, Twitter, Letterboxd. I've definitely got something to say about film. <laughs> and uh, look out for that uh, rocky deep dive soon <laughs> yeah i'm gonna watch all or, of them now <laughs> or the review just the first one and be like that's it yeah, best <laughs> film ever. Then, that's that's where it's ended all right thank you for joining us uh, both it's uh, been a really fun discussion with demolition man uh, we look forward to talking about the running man next time uh craig anything lastly from yourself i'm just gonna go sulk in the corner <laughs> okay well we'll see how things go next time and uh, yeah hopefully chris is right in that we have a better satire and uh, craig enjoys it more and uh, thank you everyone for listening and we hope to see you next time goodbye goodbye Bye, everyone. take care to keep up with the latest episodes of well good movies you can listen to us on all your usual podcast outlets including apple google spotify youtube and more Don't forget to follow us, subscribe and rate us where you can to keep our podcast growing. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at WellGoodMovies to keep up with the latest news and highlights from all our episodes, as well as tell us what movies you want to be discussed in the future. And if all of that isn't enough, you can also find us at our website freshtakehub.com slash wellgoodmovies where you can catch all our episodes along with videos and articles deep diving into the worlds of film and television. So what are you waiting for? Go check out the film we'll be discussing in next time's episode.